Amen. Amen. How am I doing? Wow. So this is kind of unusual, so Lori, I guess this is for you. Um, I was praying this morning, and I actually heard uh, the title for this message, and it's uh, Warriors of Love. God is, there, there's a calling up, there's a call to arms right now to God's people, and we're either going to take it seriously, because this is serious, or we're not, but we are called to warfare, but not as the world fights. We fight empowered by the very love and the presence of God to love our community, to love our neighborhood, to love our city, to love God's kingdom. And so we are all called to be warriors of love. And uh, at the conference, uh, I was even wanting to uh, find the picture that they put up. There was prophetic art and uh, I'm going to modify it a little bit, so you're going to have to use your sanctified imagination for a moment. Um, I want you to picture a giant wave that you know is a wave of the Spirit, a wave of God moving. And in the picture they had, um, Peter Young was the one that spoke. He's from Denver, Colorado. And by the way, there is perhaps an unprecedented revival breaking out already in Colorado, in Tennessee, in other areas where it's not the church that's getting revived. It's the secular community. People are beginning to so hunger for the reality of the love of God that they don't know what to do for people who are coming to get saved. You don't have to witness. People are desperate, and they know God is the answer. God is beginning to reveal himself. You know, if people, when God is clearly revealed for who he is, People are drawn to him. It's the distortions of God that repel people. And so a revival is when people are beginning to clearly see who God really is and know their need for him. And guys, we're going to have to get trained up. We're going to have to get ready. Um, there are whole police departments uh, in Yakima right now. A, a simple church. Uh, the pastor loves to cook, and he's only at the church part-time, and he's a chef the other part of the time. And so he just got on, you know what, wait a minute, what do our police do at Thanksgiving? Why don't we raise the money to provide Thanksgiving dinner to our police at the police department? And so they talked to the chief of police who was new, and he said, well, it'd be kind of hard because we have four shifts. So you have to do a morning service, a uh, 9 o'clock service at night, another morning Thanksgiving service, and another 9 o'clock. And they go, let's try it. So this church got together, and in one day, I think they raised $5,000. So they did prime rib. They did it right. They just blessed this church, every police officer in that city. And then I don't know what the time period was afterward, but the pastor got into his church, and in comes marching the chief of police, a whole bunch of um, officers, and they lined the whole front and thanked the whole church with this big banner, you guys rock! And now the city commissioners and the police department, they're like coming to church and they're flooding the place. Because they weren't trying to witness, they were trying to love their police department in a city that needed it. I mean, and that's in Yakima. So guys, I believe 
It, it, is, it is stirring. It is breaking loose. And we are going to be released as warriors of love. But the picture that they had was this giant wave. And in their picture, they had horses. But I'm going to change it a little bit. For our church, picture a giant wave. And there are surfers. You know, because when we started Abiding Place, Bobby Connor prayed over Lori and I specifically and gave us a word for our church that we are an Isaiah 40 church that we are the voice of one calling in the wilderness and the glory of God is going to be revealed through us. And then Bobby Connor is the weirdest thing. He kind of leans in. By the way, if you can receive it, the surfers are here. And it's like, oh, wait a minute. And I knew exactly what the people who want to ride the waves of the spirit to just go, what did I do? Yeah, I thought there were people standing behind us named Surfer. I didn't at first. But then, you know, obviously I had to think about it a little bit. <clears throat> but here's one challenge I want to give you. With this picture, picture a great big wave, and then picture you guys as the surfers who are like, hey, I want to go where the Spirit's going. I want to go where the Spirit is leading me. I want the adventure. I want the excitement. I want the challenge. I'm going to go ahead and just, you know, throw my whole body into going where God is going. But behind this picture is another wave that is 10 or 15 times bigger that you can't even imagine, you can't even restrain, you can't contain. We've seen little moves of the Spirit. We've seen little waves of the Spirit, and we kind of feel like, hey, I can surf that. But one challenge for Lori and I, and maybe for others, if you've been part of Toronto, if you've been part of other moves of God, it's not going to look like it did before. We're not even looking to repeat the Jesus people movement. If we get stuck in what we think it's going to look like, we may not be able to get caught up in that second wave. And guys, there's a place where you need to like, okay, I'm leaving this first wave. I'm going to go, and now I want to catch the second. I don't even know what that means for me. But in my spirit, it's like, ah, I don't want to manhandle or manufacture or think I have to make a move of God. We don't have the power. So, um, let me focus in. There are three elements of revival that I know of as I was praying about this. One of them, often, most often, what precedes a real move of God where people who don't even know God are desperate and hungry for him, there has to be prevailing prayer. There are people who are willing in prayer to lay down even their life. God, I'm desperate for souls. God, I'm desperate for that child who cries himself to sleep because his parents aren't even involved in his life. God, I'm desperate for that person who's lost in addiction. I'm desperate for that person who's lost in rejection and abandonment and hopelessness and feels lonely and isolated. God, I'm desperate for people to know you to be for who you are. For, and by the way, you can't give what you don't have. You need to let God love on you so radically, so generously, that others are going to see his love resting on you and it's going to provoke in them that hunger, but it comes through intimacy. It comes through that prevailing prayer. And the, often the result of prevailing prayer of even a small group of people is unity. Hearts get knit together. Now there's oneness. There's a common purpose. We're pulling together. Just like Yakima, now the police department, the city commissioners, the church, other people, the restaurants, the neighborhoods. People are coming together and God can bless where there's unity amen and then the third area that i know of that's common in uh, true revivals that are even sustainable is there's one primary message jesus is lord he's the 
He's the Lord of people's lives that have laid down, I want to die to myself and live to him. I want to do his will and not my will. I want to believe what he says and not what others say. I want to believe who I am in him and not who I thought I was in myself. I'm making him Lord. And by the way, he's Lord over those who know him, and he's Lord over those who don't. He is truly, every knee is going to bow, every tongue is going to confess. And there's a message where you can tell people are not hyping it, people are not about their image or reputation. They're pointing the way to the one and the only one who is really king of kings. Amen? All right, that's all just kind of an easy, quick setup. So uh, this is what I was talking about uh, with the message. So this is going to frame our whole thing. 2 Timothy 1.7, you've already heard the verse. Thank you, God, for interrupting my message again. <coughs> and it's, uh, for God gave us a spirit not of fear, but I'm going to insert, but a, a spirit of power, a spirit of love, and a spirit of self-control. And it's his spirit that he's given us. And as this verse opened up to me today, I see four elements, and this may be a series I'll do for, uh, for a while, and we're only going to land on two today. But let me give you a little background. This is a love letter from Paul to Timothy, his spiritual son. And in the first century, in the rabbinic communities, they understood something about family that we really don't quite have a hold of yet. What did Jesus do? He gathered 12, just 12 together, and then began to lead them as a father, to instruct them, to encourage them, to challenge them, to teach them, and then to release them to go and do the very thing. By the way, that was the rabbinic custom. Rabbis would have close disciples that they would be pouring into as spiritual fathers. This church needs more anointed spiritual mothers and fathers to be raising up other people, to get them past insecurities and distractions and into empowerment and into compassion for their surrounding world. And we are not structured intentionally right now to raise up family that way. And so please be prayerful. I, I, I really feel like this is a key. Who are you pouring into and who are you being poured into by? Um, I won't get into the whole thing, but several years ago there was a movement called G12, Groups of Twelve. And so people were committing themselves. It start, started in Latin America. It moved into this country. It didn't work quite as well here for several reasons. But the concept was, wait, you need to have a spiritual father in your life. And so you need to be looking, Lord, where am I aligned? You've come to abiding place because you know the core values that we have, the passion that we carry, the focus that we want. Hopefully that's your same focus. And if it's not, I bless you. There are 12 tribes. Go and know the drumbeat of your own tribe. But I know almost all of you, you're here because God has called you here because there's something that resonates in your heart. And so then you come into alignment with that and you have a spiritual father or mother pouring into you, but don't just be a consumer Christian. It's not just about what you get. You're getting raised up to become a mother and father to others. So are you looking for your group of 12? Where are those people that you can pour into? So... It, it, it has been one of the strongest discipleship tools that I've ever heard of, and that's not even what this message is about. So um, let me give you the, uh, what happened this week that kind of led me into wanting to share this. <coughs> Lori and I have been radically blessed, as you know, by 
after years of saying that we are desiring to see the church outside of the four walls, now we see the church inside the four walls of our cars. And so the atmosphere of heaven in the backseat of our cars, it seems to be increasing the hunger, the connections that we're getting. And so this week, again, I gave a ride to this very sweet young lady from Togo. And uh, uh, I don't know how it came up early in our ride. It's like, oh yeah, my wife and I have been married 33 years. So it's weird that we had the anniversary thing as a theme this morning. And so I said that and she's like, whoa, what can you tell me is the secret to a long and satisfying marriage? I'm like, come on. I just, you teed that one up for me. And, And so, you know, I shared a couple of different things. I shared about listening and I really shared mostly about marriage is more about what you put in it instead of what you take out of it. It's purposing to at least love one other human being with unconditional love so that you can grow to be a stronger, more loving person. And I gave her a couple of examples. And again, as she left the car, she looked at me. It was her birthday. Her birthday was February 29th. So she was only six years old, you know. And uh, uh, she got out of the car and she squealed. And she, what did she, she oh, she, she said, oh my God, that was one of the greatest gifts I could have received. I'm like, oh, wow, well, good. I mean, I was just blown away. But as I drove away, I was grieved. You know why? I didn't tell her the real secret about what makes a lasting marriage. And it's knowing an intimate, loving relationship with God as an extravagant father. And you know, as I'm driving away, it's like, God, she was blessed, and I'm happy for that. But I left you kind of more out of the picture. And here's what I heard. I heard the Lord say, come out of the witness protection program. My witness, I guard, I protect. I don't want to proselytize. I don't want to be pushy. So I don't even really let people know how radical, how amazing, how extravagant God's love has been in my life. And kids, I want to come out of the witness protection program. I want to be a witness for God. Acts 1.8, Jesus, at the beginning of Acts, commissions his disciples and he goes, go and be witnesses to Judea and Samaria and to all the world. We're to be witnessing of the extravagance of the intimate, and not to exaggerate and not to minimize where are you at today with Jesus? How radically do you love him? And are you able to break off fear of man or distractions or inconvenience and just share? when you have that opportunity. So I'm glad that that lady felt like it was a gift. And, but I'm purposing with my heart. I'm coming out of the witness protection program. What about you? Yeah, come on. And then I'm a slow learner. And, you know, if you're looking for a leader, if you're looking for a couple who has their act together, who looks squeaky clean, who dresses right, and who uses antiperspirant every Sunday morning, then I may be a disappointment to you because I do not mind living in my growth areas in front of you. And I know for many of you, it's like, oh, thank God Charlie doesn't have his act together yet. But I'm getting it together. I'm trusting God. I'm growing every day. I'm a lifelong learner. And I'm overwhelmed by God's faith and uh, faithfulness and his grace in my life. But I know for me, until the day I see him face to face, I'm still growing. And so, uh, you know, I learned from that lesson, and then I, was, I had a longer ride, dropped the lady off in Beaverton, 
And as she got out of the car, I was just really moved with, wow, what an amazing, special person she is. And I started to pray a prayer I hadn't really prayed before. I prayed this radical prayer of blessing of God to reveal himself in intimacy, to capture that young girl's heart, to focus her future years and passions and desires toward him and the kingdom and find the joy that can only be found in the fullness of a relationship with him in Jesus' name. And this thing just came over me, and I'm like, God's going to answer that prayer. He's going to do a work in her life. She's going to encounter him because I really, really want it for her. Oh my gosh, why haven't I been doing this? And I felt an anointing to pray for everybody who leaves my car. It only took two years and 5,000 rides. I don't know what it's going to take for you. Come on, Miracle Grove. Whoa, that's a word. I was, I was thinking, okay, God's presence transforming people. That's good. I may take it down and just put Miracle Grove right there. Right up by the door. I'll take it, man. So these two things have really kind of stirred me up. I, I want to partner with what God is doing. And I don't want to make it happen, but I don't want to get left behind. I don't want to get stuck in the first wave. I, I want to get, I, I'm putting wax on my board. I'm building up my legs so I'm ready. I mean, I want to be a surfer. And I know all of your hearts, I can just tell many of you want to surf as well. And so how in the world... Do you break the power of fear that has held us back and silence the voice of God's church, which is no longer acceptable to me? And how do you receive the power that you need to actually receive the radical message of his extravagant love so you believe it and allow that to break the power of fear in your life? And then the power of the Spirit to love the way that he loves for real which also means confrontation, which also means truth, which also means compassion. It's the perfect blending of the truth and love. God let it, that love erupt in our hearts. And then how do we do it? Where we allow the transformation of our minds to think the way Jesus thinks. This verse is incredible, actually, and it takes, it's going to take more than I can give it today. But let me just give you a quick foundation of things. Uh, again, this letter, 2 Timothy, is Paul's love letter to Timothy, who he was raising up as a spiritual father, who was the pastor of Ephesus probably at this time. And at the time, it says in that region of Asia, everyone heard the gospel. It's probably the most radical expression of revival that we have in the first century church. Paul's ministry, Timothy's ministry, because of what God was doing there, everybody had heard the gospel. That's that's crazy. And then like, okay, Timothy, you go, you shepherd this thing. But you know where Paul was when he wrote this? It was after his first imprisonment, which was kind of the easy one where he was at home. He eventually got released. This is his second imprisonment where he's in a cold cell. And Paul is writing completely different. He's not saying, oh, you know, that I'm going to get free of this imprisonment. I can come visit you. Now he's saying, no, this one is unto death. He's facing his future martyrdom that God has already told him about. This is his final message to the one who was his son. This is, look, I want you to really have what you need to succeed as I'm getting out of here. What would your final instructions be to the one that you love most as you know your time is, is waning? That's why the intensity and the power of this letter 
is, is the way it is. And by the way, you know what precedes the whole uh, God hasn't given us a spirit of fear? Fan up the flame, Timothy. The thing that was spoken over you. Don't let it cool. Don't grow cold. Don't be part of your culture. Fan up that flame. Let God break the power of fear that would hold you back and let God's power rest on you in your ministry and all that you do. So, what do we... Oh, wow. Okay. I, 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 okay. Never mind. I'm not even going to edit or comment. But uh, what's on my heart today, especially is I want to talk about breaking fear and the power that does that. And I want to talk about the power of the Holy Spirit. That we are not on our own. We are commissioned. We are dispatched. We are like the first century disciples. We have everything actually at our disposal that Jesus had. Jesus was God, but Jesus was fully man. He is the example of what it means to be fully human, filled in the Spirit. And so... We're a charismatic church, but we don't often teach well enough and often enough and empowering enough to allow you to all understand. If you're filled in the Spirit, if you've received prayer by the laying on of hands, if you've received tongues and other confirmations, then you already have the power to now lay hands on others and empower them to be filled in the Spirit to live a radically different life. Why we're not excited about that and doing that more often. I mean, I, I, I love salvations, but I want to see people get saved and filled and prophesying and empowered on their first day, on their birthday. Hey, all right, balloon release, dove, or dove release, balloon drop. I want radical salvations in my life. And so um, I want to talk about who the Holy Spirit is, what he does, and how to be filled. And I want to do this in a fast but practical way. So if you're note takers, that's fine. But don't get caught up writing because I'm just going to buzz through this. You can get uh, the tape later or you can download it off of our website. So the Holy Spirit, he was there at very creation. I love this. The Holy Spirit in Genesis 1-2. Genesis 1-2. He was hovering over the waters. There was disorder Light hadn't been separated from darkness. Land happened, hadn't been separated from the sea. And along comes the Holy Spirit, who is the very power of God now to take the chaos that had overtaken the world and to bring order again, to bring God's ways, God's kingdom. He was the agency through which that happened. And it was the Holy Spirit that God breathed into Adam in Genesis 2, 6. Numa. <sighs> The breath of life, by the way, the name of my boat. So, Numa, the Holy Spirit thinks, Acts 15, 28. He speaks, Acts 1, 16. He leads us, Romans 8, 14. He grieves, Ephesians 4, 30. <clears throat> the Holy Spirit empowers people for their created purpose here on the earth. And the first time in the Old Testament that the Holy Spirit fills somebody, has come upon somebody, it was for what? It was artistic work. Beeziel, to the guy that was being called to create the tabernacle for God to dwell in, in Exodus 31, 1 through 5, God, the Holy Spirit empowered him to create a dwelling for God. Samson, 
for his strength in Judges 15, 15, and prophecy. The Holy Spirit in Jesus' first ministry, the Spirit of the Lord is what? Upon me to proclaim. And that's prophecy. You know, that's the Spirit of Jesus is prophecy. And so I, I can't develop all of this. I could go deep into all of these things. But if the beginning of Jesus' ministry was recognizing the Spirit was upon him, and that's how he had the power to do everything he was called to do, then that's a good thing for us to follow. At Pentecost, in Acts chapter 2, people were filled with new languages, with boldness to proclaim the kingdom, and with new power. And then, now what does the Holy Spirit do? And I'm going to read a couple of verses in uh, Romans 8, 14 through 17. He gives us sonship. Verse 14 is about sonship. You have to have power to believe you're as loved as you are. That isn't something you manufacture or do in your own strength. It's by his spirit that he calls you and adopts you and releases you as fully empowered sons and daughters, right? And then verse 15, uh, intimacy to break fear as we're called as sons and daughters. What, is, what casts out fear? Perfect love. And so as he gives you the power to receive love, that empowerment now helps you walk out of the fear that would hold you back. He gives you assurance of your sonship in verse 16. and verse 17, he gives you hope of his purposes being fulfilled in your life. I'm skipping over a lot of this. I hope this is going to land or set in your spirit in some way because I really want to move to more of the ministry time. How do you actually receive or impart the Holy Spirit? And uh, you can't give what you don't have. And so I want to go to Acts 19, uh, no, um, Acts chapter 2. We're going to do just a very quick walkthrough. And the reason I'm doing this is I want your faith founded on what the Word of God says about the Holy Spirit. So Acts verse 2 or Acts chapter 2, verse 1, basically, there was a longing in the disciples. They responded to what Jesus said. They gathered together. You can know they were in prayer. They were in unity, in one accord. They're in an upper room, and they're longing to receive what Jesus had already told them was coming. So how much of a longing do you have? And then, people have to be receptive. So, In Acts 8, 14, and 17, let me read this actually to you. 8, 14 through 17. Now when the apostles at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent to them Peter and John. The Samaritans were receptive. They received the word, who came down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For he had not yet fallen on any of them, but they had only been baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. If they were baptized in the Lord uh, Jesus Christ, were they believers? Were they saved? Come on, basic theology. Sure. Yeah, they, they were baptized. They were already putting their trust in Jesus. I believe they were already saved. Uh, so the Spirit was already residing in many of them, in all of them. But then... They laid hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit, 
which now is more the baptism of the Spirit. The full empowerment of the Holy Spirit is what this is talking about. And so um, then Paul in Ephesus, the city we were just talking about in 917, goes to Ephesus. And so, <coughs> oh, no, 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 I'm wrong. This, this is different. This is um, Paul's encounter with the Holy Spirit. And so it's um, same verse, 917. So Ananias departed and entered the house and laying his hands on him, Paul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord who has appeared to you on the road by which you came uh, has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled in the Holy Spirit. So Paul has that radical encounter with Jesus, but he's not filled in the Spirit until Ananias comes and what? Lays hands. It's the most common biblical example. Somebody who's already been filled in the Spirit lays hands on somebody else who is longing, who is receptive. And by the way, Paul had this radical uh, time of even opposing God, has an encounter with God, and it still required the laying on of hands for him to receive the Spirit. And then finally, Acts uh, 19, 1 through 7, is the story of Ephesus. And I'm just laying a foundation, so stick with me for a little bit. We'll get there, I promise. <coughs> so um, in Ephesus, they were actually informed. I'll read the, the whole passage. It happened that while Apollos was in Corinth, Paul passed through the inland country and came to Ephesus. There he found some disciples and said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit? Stop for a moment. It was important to him. Is there evidence that you had received the Spirit? Are you walking already in the power of the Spirit? No, we haven't yet heard that there is a Holy Spirit. But he said, unto what were you baptized? They said, we were baptized into John's baptism. So Paul said, John's baptism with the baptism, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in the one who was to come after him, that is Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus, and then Paul had laid hands on them. The Holy Spirit came on them and began speaking in tongues and prophesying. There, there were about 12 men that day. So in Ephesus, they had great hearts. They've already been baptized. They were already hungry. So the, the point I'm making is the Holy Spirit uh, resides in all true believers, but the Holy Spirit doesn't rest on all believers. Why would you want enough of Jesus to make you miserable and not enough to get set free? You know, some people have that. Think of it this way. When you get saved, the, the Holy Spirit pilot light gets turned on. But then you're supposed to fan into flame that light of faith that God has given you so that it heats up the whole tank. Right? So then he's in the forefront of your mind. There are many, many churches who are afraid to teach about the infilling and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> and yet, Ephesians 5.18 is abundantly clear. It says, be, by the way, it's imperative, be being filled with the Holy Spirit. So, if I put any hunger in anybody right now, if there's a sense that, wait, I, I, my pilot light's going, but I really want Jesus in the forefront of my mind. I want the uh, ways of the kingdom. I want the supernatural empowering of the Spirit to release signs and wonders and release the supernatural in the encounters that I have. 
because it's more than just talk. The kingdom is, you know, a, a demonstration of God's power through us. And I'm not satisfied. I, I'm, I'm making a declaration. I have my gifts. I'm thankful. I've been called. I've walked faithfully with God. But you know what? I want to see more healing. I want to see blind eyes. I want to see creative miracles. I want to see people get out of wheelchairs. I want to see people get radically saved, which is also a miracle. I want to see people feel loved to have fear broken over their life because of not my power, but because of the spirit coming on them. And so I want to stir myself up. I need to fan my own flame. I'm not preaching a message at you. I hope I'm preaching one with you that God has more. For the rest of our lives, there will always be more of him that he wants to pour out through us. Can I get an amen on that one? And then just very quickly, what keeps people from doing it often, uh, Luke 11, 11, there isn't time to preach on the whole thing, but it's the section where, and by the way, it's in the context of talking about receiving the Spirit, where Jesus reassures us, wait, if a son asks for bread, the Father doesn't give you a stone. And if you ask, <coughs> excuse me, If you ask for fish to sustain you, he doesn't give you a serpent. What does a serpent represent? People are so afraid of getting a counterfeit gift from the devil that they avoid the genuine of getting, and by the way, the most common gift, and that you don't have to speak in tongues to be filled in the Spirit. Let's just deal with that straight off the bat. But it is the most common sign. It happened in the situation of Zion. They were filled with what? Tongues? And prophecies, woo, bring that on. And so, yes, it can be very common. It doesn't mean that it's exclusively required. Um, there are whole churches that have built their uh, ministries on that, and it makes people feel excluded. Maybe you have worries or fears about tongues for some reason, because I don't want to sound like I'm babbling. Well, go gargle some WD-40. Let the Holy Spirit loosen up your throat. Let him give you a new language. And by the way, um, of course, in Pentecost, tongues was used as a sign and a wonder to unbelievers. What is going on? But do you know what the most common use of tongues is? That the believer is edifying himself. How many times have I been in the weeds? I didn't know what to do. And so it's like, well, God, this one's uh, you know, beyond my pay grade. So I will quietly pray in tongues and just be willing to let the Holy Spirit come and give me wisdom, and while I'm quietly praying in tongues, it's amazing how often, oh, I get a new creative idea. Here's what I can say to that writer. Here's the story I should tell. And then you're actually doing it, responding to the Spirit instead of trying to move the Spirit. So, oh. <clears throat> so with, with Luke 11, 11, if you have hesitated in the past, you just, you know your father knows how to give good gifts. If as an earthly father you know how to do that and you want your children blessed when they're asking for something, and 11.11 is in the context of receiving the actual spirit. So here's where I want to end, and thank you, Nico. We've already done it at the beginning, but we're going to do it at the end again. So I feel like I've just buzzed over that a little bit too fast, um, and it's been an incredible service, but I want to walk into a future of empowerment myself personally. And so here's the question I want to ask. If we have somebody here today who, in your walk with the Lord, you haven't had the laying on of hands from people who've been filled in the Spirit 
to receive an infilling of the Spirit. You've had a salvation experience. You know the Holy Spirit is uh, dwelling in you, but you want to let him out of the box. You want him to be free, to be who he wants to be in you. Um, I want to offer uh, an opportunity to pray for those who need that. And then at the end, uh, we're going to pray for people to receive uh, just an empowerment again, a double dose. So you already came forward, but if that looked fun and you didn't come forward the first time, you can come forward the second. So is, how many of you in our community have actually received tongues and the baptism of the Holy Spirit through the laying on of hands? Give me a show of hands. Just how many of you know that you've been filled already? Okay. And then is there anyone here? And Alyssa, we'll go ahead and skip the song. Time isn't going to allow. Um, Jeff, are you around? No. Okay. Yeah. Would you? Would you? Uh, when I when I give you the cue, would you start the song I have queued up on the iPod? So, can we all pray just for a moment, Father? This is such an important subject, and I know my words have been inadequate, but I don't even worry about that because I know it's your heart to empower your kids. That only by your grace can we live the life we're called to live, and so Lord. Um, I just ask for this again to flow in the way the whole first part of the service went, for us to be hungry for you, expectant of you, for you to come, Holy Spirit, be honored in this place. And so, Lord, if there's someone here who already is saved and has your spirit indwelling, but they want to now be filled, baptized, overflowing through the laying on of hands, God, just give them the courage to even come forward and acknowledge that desire and Lord, I ask for just radical encounters with you as we move into this ministry time. So is there anyone here who would like to, for the first time, receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit through the laying on of hands? Okay. And hang on. Let's wait a moment. And by the way, yes, ask a question. Uh-huh. Right. Okay. You know, if, if you haven't had an actual laying on of hands, it's not going to hurt. And so even, even if you've had tongues, because that's the biblical model, I would just encourage, man, if whether you're coming up for a second filling or the first time filling, man, we, you were just hungry for God. The, the other thing that I will say, I have a deep conviction about this. Don't second guess it. Oh, I did it once before, but it didn't work because I didn't get tongues. Don't do that. If you came hungry, if you came receptive, if you came wanting more of God and somebody laid hands on you, then you need to persevere in that and know, I got it. And God can manifest it the way he wants and when he wants and how he wants. And it's different for everybody. I didn't start bubbling up. She got on Honda after I got prayed for for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I had like one word, and then I got another word. And then a few weeks later, I got another. It was slow, because I'm slow, you know. I don't care. Some people get whole languages and dialogues. You know, I just had a word. But baby, I held on to that word. Woo-hoo-hoo! All right, and let God build what he wants. So uh, if you've already received that through the laying on of hands, then don't question it, but you can always receive again. So why don't you come on up, Arnie? Anyone else want to come up for the laying on of hands? Lori, would you go ahead? And, oh, Jeff, would you start the song? 
And I'm going to turn off my mic, but then I'm going to turn it back on because we will give an opportunity for people to receive prayer just for you.